0: Day nights, nice. soccer nights, nice. your nights. Nice. Quick score update, I can tell you that uh, Bologna City were playing at home, playing against the defending league champions, Mamalodi Sundowns. Sundowns are now two goals up earlier on in that first half. We saw Costa scoring and converting a penalty and just a short while ago, Costa again scoring a second uh, for Sundowns on the 50-minute mark. We'll keep you up to date with that score. That game, right throughout the entire show. So, if anything happens, be sure that if you're driving, do not panic. We'll tell you what's happening. I mean, what a month it's been. Hey, eh? August. My goodness, absolute thriller of a month uh, for women by women. We also, Banyana Banyana's heroic performances at the FIFA Women's World Cup in Australia, New Zealand. It was all there for us to see and delight about but i'll tell you what there were a couple of women at safa putting in the work away from the cameras away from the spotlight to see to it that our women football grows significantly now one of them is none other than safa's head of women football my word i mean i looked at a cv earlier this week almost reads like a movie script A FIFA Master in the Management, Law and Humanities of Sport. A Masters with a focus on Ecotoxicology. I had to practice that word many, many times, but I got it right from the University of Siena. A Medical Honours and a BSc in Genetics, both from the University of Cape Town. As well as being a Director of Badgers Football Academy. I mean, she's held the roles of COO at the Desmond and Leah Dudu Legacy Foundation, program manager for the Western Cape Education Department, and has been a freelance strategy consultant recently for UEFA, the University of Cape Town, and also the University of Zululand. KZN. I told you, and that's just a fraction of what she's achieved, but she sits right. In front of me. And what an honor and a pleasure to welcome Safa Head of Women's Football, Romani Pinnock. Good to see you. Welcome to the show.
1: Thank you for having me. It's embarrassing when you read out that list. <laughs> the,
0: sh- the short list of the long list. <laughs> it cannot be because it's all hard work from your side. And firstly, just congratulations on all the success that you've had.
1: Thank you. Thank you. I and mean, the in terms of... Past or, or current? Yeah, I
0: mean, past will we'll come to current. I mean, this, this, is, this is great. I mean, it just shows signs of a hardworking person, it shows signs of somebody who is highly devoted, it shows signs of somebody that wants to get the job done. And that's what we need here in South African football is someone who can get the job done, more especially in women's football. Congratulations on the appointment as well.
1: Thank you. Thank you very much.
0: What does that mean to you, though, given all the trials and tribulations? Also, just the joy. We're still calming down after how we shocked the world at the World Cup.
1: I think there's a a big, difficult road ahead to grow women's football. But one cannot ask for such an amazing performance that we saw at this World Cup mm. in a way that paves my job. Banyana has made my entry into this job easier because now I can say look what these amazing women have achieved in the c- current um, ecosystem. Imagine imagine how we can grow this with better support uh, with professionalization um, and growing from grassroots to national level.
0: What surprised you mostly about that performance? What surprised you positively about how well they did? Getting into the last 16 of a FIFA World Cup making history on many many different fronts. Mm.
1: I think it was Dez who referred to that group as the group of death. I mean, we had really on the on paper really strong teams to play against. And um what surprised me is that the you know, I, I kind of looked at our ranking internationally and thought, uh-uh, we the, the on paper doesn't show what what these women are on the field made me question the ranking system. You know, made me yes. say, okay, we definitely need more international strong games so that that ranking system really matches who they are as players and as a team.
0: And it also says something because in the end, if I'm not mistaken, we, we made strides. We jumped, what, nine places after that. But still not as big a jump as we would have had had we had great warm-up games against very strong and formidable opposition like Playing against a Germany that I believe we had a chance to play against.
1: Mm. Yeah, I think. Um, I mean, when I look at that situation, it's often just a case of scheduling. Yeah, like you said, get the job done. We have to find these um, friendlies, connect with the right people, uh, perform in the right um, competitions, and and yeah, work on that ranking. But like I say, even without a number on paper, um, the the significance is there
0: on the field. But it's also about hitting the ground running the longer time we take to ensure that the legacy that's been left by this success. I know some people criticize and say, oh, yeah, we won nothing. Yeah, we, we might have won the hearts and minds of the world, even South Africans themselves. So we, we did. The South Africans that can name at least five women Banyana players all at once. Something that never, ever happened before. So how, how do we get the job, get the business done immediately. And for you, what is the priority?
1: Um, The Federation has put together a draft strategy. So one of my key first tasks is to um, work on that strategy and launch that strategy together with the Federation and all the departments who will play a role in women's football. Ideally, a strategy of this nature depicts what the next five to ten years look like for women's football. And then it's about... Um, Ploughing into that work And getting it done uh, Through various arenas I mean we're talking about national squads But but who are the Tembys of tomorrow Are we making sure that they are getting What they need from a young age Or if they're just in our under 17 Under 20 squads To, to make sure that when the next World Cup The next AFCON arrives um, We're doing even better So I like to look at it across the spectrum What does a, a 8 year old look for? when she wants to play sport and how do we capture her and support her and how do we see her move through that journey to become um, the next national team player.
0: The process of trying to get there also starts with family. It starts with community. And a lot of the girls that play for Banyana right now will tell you horror stories about how in their communities they were being looked at and said, stop trying to be a boy, stop trying to be this, who are you? What are you? What exactly are you trying to get at? And they'll tell you these horror stories because they've had to overcome within the community, you know, being segregated against. But they had a dream that a focus. How do we then protect them as fresh talent coming out of communities that are not used to, let's say, women wanting to play professionally the game of football?
1: Mm. I, th- I think a performance of this kind where um, from a sort of broadcasting and marketing point of view, like you say, people know these personalities now is significant for your average community where someone might have had the opinion that a girl shouldn't be playing sport or shouldn't be playing football can now look to a national hero and change their mindset around that because as South Africans, we are fixated on sporting heroes. And, you know, primarily, yes, they have been men, but this shift towards our female sports stars means that at a community level, at a family level, people are finding, are normalizing uh, women in sport. So there's a big marketing story there, telling those stories, seeing those women on television and succeeding, et cetera.
0: The interview process uh, would have been one strenuous one because ultimately I remember Fran Helton-Smith. Fran, good friend of the show, good friend of women's football in this country, maybe doesn't get celebrated as much as she should But that was a different role that she had compared to what you walk into right now. What is the interview process like? And did they have top of mind what they really wanted for this particular position of software head of women's football?
1: I would hope they had top of mind what they want in a role like this. Um, The interview process, I mean, it was regular in that one meets with these panels and, and they pick your brain and decide if you fit for the job. Um, so I would hope that my past performance at a football level uh, with my club and as well as at a strategic level in my roles has guided them to make this decision. Um, and now I've got to prove them right. Uh, just to briefly touch on on Fran and her legacy, I mean, I think a lot of where we are now as a country yeah. uh, with regards to football would not be possible without the hard work she's done. Um, And, yeah, I mean, those are big boots to step
0: into. I always say, you know, if you don't get recognized at home, FIFA will do exactly that. And I'm glad she went through uh, to Australia New Zealand, courtesy of FIFA, to be recognized in that way uh, for all the major work that she's done. But continue our conversation, be a part of it, you can send us through your WhatsApp voice notes. You can call directly into studio. It's an important one, and one where now we have a face to it—somebody who can be answerable to the desires of women moving forward, as far as football is concerned. Marawa Sports Worldwide Live Three, two, one. on nine four seven Vuma FM, Rise FM, and Sowetan Live.
1: Hashtag MSW.
0: In conversation tonight, Romani Pinnock is the staff ahead of women's football, chatting to us all things to do with the game and where we move to from here. And I deliberately talked about the CV. I was heading somewhere. (laughs) Um, And I'm going to bring in a few aspects of it. You know, the medical honors, BSc in genetics. And I wanted to bring that in in terms of explaining why it takes our players so long to develop. Why it takes them so much in terms of the struggle to compete physically on the global stage. Is there an explanation to that, that we can lay on the table now?
1: It's not going to be a genetic one. I would say that um, touches on the ball, starting at an early age, these are things that are access problems for girls in South Africa. Um, If the football gets given to the boy, generally, Um, in the family and girls are not provided whether it's a football or some sort of access to sport we're already preventing them from reaching their full potential in terms of development so I think it's um, a case of ensuring that as many girls as possible have access to sport whichever sport it is to ensure that their bodies develop in a way Um, that equips them going forward, strengthens them going forward, um, and heightens their skills going forward, Uh, yeah, as best as possible.
0: So nothing genetically, because sometimes even in the men's game, there was a stage where we would always be looked at, let's say, with the stronger African nations, as South Africans producing little tiny guys who are not able to develop physically. But that was also proven wrong when you looked at the likes of Barcelona, whose main engineer and the engine within midfield was guys of a similar stature. Mm. That plays what role? Because there still is that confusion to say, no, South Africans, tiny, can't compete in the world physically.
1: I mean, the Japanese squad that I just watched at the World Cup, they were all very small and exceptional players. I think uh, it's very... uh, dangerous route to go down to talk to to widely paint a nation with a genetic brush and say this yeah. is why you can't perform I think especially in South Africa where so many people come from such diverse backgrounds in terms of genetics as well that I, I'm not buying into that argument. I really think whatever we have here genetically um, it's a case of just harnessing that in a productive way um, uh, through nutrition through training, through support, through mental support as yeah. well Um, to create the best players, whichever country you're in and however tall you are. I think it
0: was also just a case of desperation. We were going through...
1: (laughs) Tough times.
0: We still are, especially within the men's game. You come into an association that probably has the women being the most successful right now. Um, But yeah, it, it was tough times because we're not getting the results. We're not qualifying for World Cups. We're not qualifying for the AFCONs. And here you are, last 16 World Cup, WAFCON champions. So there's a lot that needs to be worked on. But one of the things that I noticed was around the physicality, but in a different way. It's called conditioning. Mm. So conditioning is is different because it can be tiny and well-conditioned. It can be a bigger, you know, physically more mature person, but not be well-conditioned. Do we put the blame on that? I hate the word blame, but let's blame someone. We don't have a professionalized game in South Africa right now. And would that be a key factor as to why our journey almost had to come to an end in that game against Netherlands?
1: I actually thought we st- stood a very good chance to win the, the Netherlands game. so I, w- I wouldn't use that in, in my answer, but I would say that um, the a professional league would take us forward in leaps and bounds. Because yeah. if we just think how many women on our national squads or in our Hollywood Bets League have completely non-sports related jobs yes. from nine to five or shift work, you know, and, and um, that means they cannot dedicate proper time to their, to their football trade. And I think that plays a huge role um, in how one eventually performs on the world stage where, we, you know, we are competing against nations at a World Cup who from a young age are identified and given absolutely everything with regards to their development um and and that includes salaries etc so to to compete against so many nations with that backdrop and still get as far as we did the level of resilience um and grit in our players i would say is exceptional compared to many of the stronger nations at the world cup and that is also something that i think can be harnessed to make us greater players overall once we bring up the, once we improve the other structures such as professionalization and and all around support.
0: Right. We talk about professionalization. I've got a voice note that's uh, talking exactly that.
2: Good evening, Mr. Rob. It's Hulifalang here. Good evening to the MSW Shielders, and good evening to your guests there. I just want to find out, I mean, given uh, the incredible success of Banyana Banyana, given the incredible growth of the women's game, especially in recent years, hasn't there been a consideration from Safa's part to professionalize the game right now? Because we've seen the number of uh, female players that are making it big, playing at the highest level, representing the country with a prom and of course The biggest sign of them all is they've done something that the men's team didn't do. And that's to qualify for the round of 16 at a World Cup at at their second appearance, of course. But in that regard, given everything that has happened, hasn't there been a thought of Safa um, professionalizing the women's game? Or is it up to them? I don't know. But if that is the case, can they give us a specific time period to say by this time, surely we should have a professional women's league in south africa that is what i want to find out from your guest great shows always
0: thanks thank you so much indeed how do we deal with that because ultimately the talk about professionalization has been going on for many many years and here we are still without a professional league how do we make sure then that it's not just talk talk Mm -hmm. and we start to see it
1: i think once we Put our strategy out there. It is very important that we put dates to it, and we get held accountable as a federation for meeting those um, commitments. Um, so I'm putting my my neck on the block here. It's <laughs> a good thing. And um, you know, even if we start, I mean, to answer the first part of his question, yes, it's been spoken of, and yes, that now falls into a lot of my role. How do we professionalize the league? Um, and even if we start with stipends that make sport as a profession a, liv- uh, a, like a livable wage of some kind uh, or, or a starting stipend, it's a first step. And I don't think that is too far off. I would love to see a 2024 Hollywood bet season where we set a minimum. Salary for a player, but we help the clubs to raise the funds to get there. You know, it's one thing to just say pay your players this amount, but a lot of clubs are really struggling in terms of capacity of how one fundraises, how one um, gets sponsorship. And I, I would love to walk away from this year knowing that we have um, earmarked sixteen corporates who come on board and say each of them will take one of these Hollywood bet teams, for example and And pay salaries or, or get involved in in capacitating these clubs, and I think the investment in women's football um we have seen that it is successful. We've seen other models across the world. It's a matter of time here. we're on an upward curve they have to get involved. Um men's football is a difficult investment at the moment. Come to the women's game, we can do this better. We can we're starting essentially on a clean slate. We yeah. we we have a lot of learnings from abroad and from the men's game locally. And and I think we can we can do this right and and again it's it's a bit of yes, we want sponsorship to come on board, but we also need to think about the marketing the, uh, and the broadcasting because are those sponsors going to be there if they are um, if their names are not seen yes. on screens, yes. and we've got, to, we've got to find that balance, but it's, I think it's achievable, and I really hope it's achievable in the short term, and um, yeah, pick my brain in a few months, once I've set a date, and then you can hold me accountable.
0: We certainly will, and I think that's our major role again here, yeah, is to hold those in power, those in authority accountable, and maybe some of those corporates are out there, you know, someone driving in their car, listening to this conversation, and uh, was up early in the morning, several mornings during the FIFA Women's World Cup and saying, I want to watch Banyana. But then what do you do when you come back on the home front? Maybe there's an opportunity. And if there is live television broadcasting, you have an opportunity again to showcase your products, have it on the front of of the jersey or sleeve sponsor, whatever it is that you go for, but it will be there. What about clubs though? Because we got 16 teams in the professional league. But it doesn't equate to 16 men's teams in the Premier Soccer League that have a women's team. I can count Sundowns; They've been African champions. I can count Tears Galaxy. I can count recently Royal AM with the purchase of the Plumfontein Celtic franchise. So they, they're trying. They're heading in that direction. But out of 16, you're still underachieving. Or does it not have to go in that way where 16 clubs need to have 16 women's teams?
1: Are you asking if the 16 PSL clubs should have them? Yeah. So, I mean, sorry, previously I was saying the 16 Hollywood bets teams. No, no, I'm I'm with you with that. Got it. So so
0: I'm just peeling off on the the, the broader understanding of, you know, an Arsenal having a women's team and Mm. Chelsea having a women's team uh, outside Mm. of what we currently have with the Hollywood bets Super League.
1: So there is a CAF ruling in place that now these teams, in order to compete, need to have women's teams in place. Um it I think date to be determined. I'm not sure if that has come into play. But um it's a it's a tricky it's a tricky question because I would love to force them all to have women's teams or at least to adopt women's teams and to just to start thinking about the women's game. I think it's important. My question is why are they not doing that already? Surely they can see the investment possibilities um, and yes, maybe the first few years are a struggle, but with any new product, that is what happens, uh, that you, you have to put in to get out. So, um, you know, I, I I would like to sit with these PSL teams, sit with PSL in general and just understand that framework um, and, and and see what, what are good options there. The more women play in football, the happier I am, the more successful we are yeah. as a federation. So whether it's at a PSL level or within our four um, divisions that we have um, from Hollywood Bets all the way down to grassroots, we have to move and we, like you said earlier, we have to ride this wave yeah. of success that yeah. we've seen at a national level.
0: What about the standards though of the Hollywood Bets Super League? How would you describe it?
1: The player standards. Yeah. I'm, I think the the competitive games that we're seeing in those fields are continuously improving, uh, especially as more of these players get international experience um, so we cannot deny that they are exciting games to watch. Uh, I don't think enough people are watching them. I don't think enough people even know where to watch them. And obviously not all of them are broadcast. So, you know, that's a, a really big first step is let's get those games out there and tell those stories and share the, the stories of players and of clubs with the country because that's also exciting. What, you know, we don't always watch a team just because of the actual game that is in play in the moment. We also watch it for the stories of those players, um, the history of that club. You know, we need to start following these women's teams um, like we do the men's ones.
0: And I think that was the purpose of the question around the PSL was many moons ago, they used to have something quite successful. It was the Chappies Little League. But that was for the, you know, little boys. Uh, Steve Lickolayers of the world came through that system. And before a derby, so you would have, let's say the under 12s, Mm playing a curtain raiser before the afternoon where the main event takes place. So imagine on Soweto Derby Day, uh, there's a women's
1: mm-hmm.
0: chiefs and pirates that happens. Wouldn't that be a start of something that can maybe ignite into something bigger?
1: I love that idea. Yeah. Um, we often have to convince groundskeepers that grass can be used two games in Twice. a row. <laughs> yeah. um, but... Yes, I think that is such a great way to capture an already existing audience and to create a vibe and a feeling at a, at a stadium that is dedicated to a women's game. Um, so, we've got to work on those groundskeepers.
0: Yeah, I know it's very strict these days, but still, I think these groundsmen that are there, they're ready to mm. come and pick up the pieces. I mean, I was complaining about the state of the Orlando Stadium ahead of that. You know, you risk a lot of things. And the reason, again, that I asked about the standard within the Hollywood bits Super League of the playing side of things. We also see some of the ladies who go, they ply their trade overseas, and within a short space of time, maybe they've made a wrong decision, gone to the wrong country. Then they come back again into the structures instead of growing within the European uh, you know, football sphere. W- what do you think causes that, and how can we keep them away? I know it's a hard thing to say, but it's best to get your experience in Europe and come back and play for your national team.
1: As a continent, I think we've really suffered with young players being uh, being tricked into opportunities abroad that are not there. And I think the way to guard against that is by making sure that agents and clubs um, and managers on this side really know their players and are putting their neck out to protect them with the deals they sign and really checking where they where they get to. Um, the problem is rife across the continent. Um, especially in west africa actually uh with young boys and and i i would say i would venture to say it's it's slightly out of control and the the level of of abuse um and and trickery let's say is is devastating for families and players alike so i think it's I mean, Hugo just said previously he knows his players now. I think there's, a, there's really a case to be made for knowing your players on a personal level and seeing where you know they will flourish and getting them to that point. Probably as an agent, but, you know, as, as clubs, you can help and you can guide in that regard.
0: I mean, we'll talk about exactly that after the break because uh, scamming has been rife, uh, especially within the women's game. More so, again, within the men's game. But as we focus on how to drive the women's game forward, we have the newly appointed software head of women's football. Uh, that's Romani Pinnock, who is my guest here tonight. We'll take your questions and voice notes.
1: Marawa Sports Worldwide Live. In On 947. Vuma FM, Rise FM.
0: And Soweto Live. Hashtag <laughs> MSW. Fafa, head of women's football in studio, Romani Pinock, is my guest here tonight. Uh, lots of your WhatsApp voice notes are coming through. Also on Twitter, uh, let me see what Shigaga is saying. Says, I am glad that um, Romani has mentioned engaging the PSL teams for all of them uh, to have or to adopt a women's team. And I beg her to put a foot on the pedal on that aspect because I am convinced that uh, this is one aspect that can accelerate the quest to professionalize women's football. So yeah, bravo to that. And, uh, and I think it is a great idea. I, I would hazard a guess as to why anybody would bet against it. What, what's your comment on that? And, and Chicago is basically saying that he's glad you you agreeing and maybe trying to engage and open up a conversation with the Premier Soccer League.
1: I think there are a lot of people who have done excellent work in the women's football space. Um, and some of them are these PSL teams, if we look at yeah. the the few that you mentioned before. Um, so my first step is always to understand who's a role player and what have they done so far and what can we learn from them. And I think PSL, um, in terms of professionalization of the men's game, we can learn a lot from them of what works and what hasn't worked. Um, and I don't think we must shy away from that. And I'm hoping for quite honest conversations with the likes of the PSL teams yeah. where, where we can really use what we learn from them to guide our way forward. Um, but it's not just PSL teams. I had a discussion the other day with varsity sports. Um, we've got to engage with school sport. All these, all these players um, are going to have significant um, opinions about yeah. women's football and girls' football, and we need to take them on board so that we build this together with everyone who's involved.
0: And that's what made varsity sport, not just varsity hockey or varsity football or varsity hockey, or rugby or whatever it was it was just a drive that went the right channel as far as sponsorship is concerned they got sponsorship they got at least a thursday night live on a channel called super Sport, and they were able to show and showcase to the continent what it is that is happening at university level and and that for me was the drive and the stadium would always be packed because half the time they don't have to pay anything it's just university students going to support but that adds on to the vibe that is there talking about that and options as well and people are listening very very closely here uh, i got a message from Morocco, bujosi uh, in the val uh, the val triangle says congratulations to romani pinock uh, says not a question but a suggestion hopefully the new women's head of football uh, will also mobilize safa to capacitate the regions uh, so that women's football will develop at grassroots level too. So the issue of the regions, I am sure, is something that has come up time and time again. How do you respond to that?
1: It's an essential part of creating a successful pathway for girls. So we have to work very closely with the regions and the provinces to ensure that we we are all aligned in what it means to support a young player along her football journey and that we are all able to provide that, whether that means capacita- capacitation programs um, or just talking about the safety of a young girl. How do we make sure that in a club um, she is looked after? And I think... Um, I would also, I mean, that's definitely in, in the my immediate future will be to chat to the role players at, at a provincial and regional level so that we can get everyone on board. Um, at at grassroots, unfortunately, many girls are not playing within structured age groups. So you'll get a very young player playing in under 16s um, and not getting the actual uh, development she needs at her age. Um, And this is because not enough clubs are fielding girls' teams and not enough LFAs or local football associations are creating um, girls' leagues for various age groups. So I think that's something we have to change. It's difficult because one has to remember that at a grassroots level, the majority of people are working as volunteers, which means we're asking them to give more of their time. Um, and and I think that's going to be an, in, an interesting journey to to convince your average volunteer that working in women's sport, girls' sport is just as, or maybe even more rewarding. And that perhaps we can start looking at how we can incentivize and assist financially in increasing the number of leagues at a, at a grassroots level. Because back to one of your previous questions, touches on the ball, starting at a young age. The, the best way to do that is within schools and within local football clubs.
0: The school's problem is probably a, an entire show. Because also equally get frustrated by schools that in 2023 do not recognize football at all. Never mind the women. They mm. don't recognize football even at a boy's stage. So that first touch, the feel, the control, the running of the ball, they don't have a sense of that at all. They go through the entire schooling. I mean, I know you had a a late run-in with football at, what, age 33. And obviously, as them trying to play the game becomes impossible at that age, at least we can lean on you from an admin and a a leadership perspective to guide us uh, through your learnership. But those Mm -hmm. who've been able to go to schools but can't play, that for me, again, remains a big, big uh, disgrace to this country. Good evening, Mr. Marawa and your guests here from I hope uh, her appointment will, will be the turning point
2: of the women football in South Africa because it's it's so sad to see these guys working tirelessly. They are doubling their efforts
0: in order to put this country in the map to 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 fly this flag. We 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 saw what they did on the World Cup, and the, for them to be undermined like. Uh, What was happening
2: before the World Cup is so sad. So let's hope that uh, things will now change
3: for the better.
0: Absolutely, I agree with that. What about broadcasting? Evening,
3: Rob, and uh, evening to the MSW shareholders. Uh, Rob, I'd just like to ask, uh, in terms of the conversations between SAFA uh, as a, a body, uh, do they have conversa- regular conversations with the state broadcaster? Do they have regular conversations with the Because there's been talks in the country about the spectrum and also the move that we are having, moving from from analog to digital. So, like... Does Safa in in totality sit in these conversations? Because I think if Safa sits in such conversations, it will make it easy for them to have a bargaining chip for saying that women's football will be broadcasted because the move from analog to digital, it should open up a space. Even if it means that currently in the market, Maybe the third broadcaster doesn't have the capacity. Then what do, what what stops other players to also try to move towards getting their licenses and also because digital make should make it easy for everyone to participate and partake. But as Safa in general, do they have those conversations moving towards the future? Because it cannot be that uh, we'll always cry and say that no ish. But who's gonna broadcast the women's game? Who's gonna broadcast the women's game? An important
0: question is that one that fits onto your table and your short-term to long-term plans. The broadcasting side,
1: I definitely cannot ask, answer the question um, uh, too fresh in the seat, and and probably sits within a, a different department. But mm-hmm. what I can say is, it is going to be a significant game changer when we can broadcast more games um, and increase viewership, whether that is on digital. Um, or or through commentating, etc. I mean, we've just got to get those games out there.
4: Congratulations, Romani, on your appointment. I think this comes at the at the right time where there's a need for accelerated uh, execution of uh, uh, programs to advance women's football. Uh, also to, to answer to the uh, constitutional uh, statement of SAFA that there needs to be a maximum participation of both male and female uh, from the early age, but to also a uh, uh, concern looking at the uh, conduct of the Spanish FA president at the recent World Cup, where he inappropriately uh, kissed uh, Jenny so without consent uh, how do you then uh, give assurance to uh, parents who are keen to allow their female uh, players to participate in football that they will be uh, going into a safe environment where something of this nature will not happen to them that they will enjoy a maximum uh, security and protection. Also considering that we've also had uh, similar uh, issues happening in our local football. I just want to hear your views around that. Thank you so much. Thank
0: you so much a very important question and one that would not come at a
1: better time, eh? I think we could do a whole show on, on this question. Oh. Um, the, what, what has taken place um, within the Spanish um, FA I think has really highlighted what is taking place in many um, sporting federations. It, it's so unfortunate that their amazing win has been overshadowed by this mm. but significant that now there there is an angry audience um, getting behind this team and behind Jenny. Um, and just the general, uh, let me just go with the big word, the, mm. the patriarchy that sits within sport where it is a really male dominated space and, and especially football and especially in South Africa you know, that question of how can you convince a parent that their young girl will be safe in that football club is a terrifying question because there are so many spaces where we cannot guarantee that. Um, so I, I think, yes, it comes down to capacitating clubs and, and and sort of going through safeguarding, et cetera, but it's also finding people within all of these clubs who really take accountability for the safety of young girls. It's a it's a national mind shift that has to take place because we are a country with the highest levels of gender based violence that will permeate everything including sport it's a terrifying question of how we approach it because it's so big mm-hmm. um but i really think one has to start small at at your at your local club can you be the volunteer who is running safeguarding or just Teaching people about what's right and wrong, what is consent? Teaching boys and girls what is consent? You know, going back to schools, we we don't, do we even teach that in schools anymore? Do we teach our young boys how to be good, um, and and how to respect the boundaries of of girls and vice versa? But I, you know, I say this from a from a very gendered view. So it's it's a it's a very it's a very big beast to. battle and especially in this country and I think just a huge number of people need to get on board with fighting it Sure,
0: you're right it would take the entire show to talk about that and uh, I'm well aware of how you've mentioned and said about it that there is a girl problem here in South Africa.
2: Hi Rob, this is Anu from Rodipot. Rob, I think your guest raised a very important issue when she spoke about uh, broadcasting. I wanted to find out, you know, are there any uh, discussions or any collaborations with PSL so that, uh, you know, if the ladies' uh, professional league formation is done, that they can leverage off, you know, the current you know, broadcasting rights um, so that, you know, the ladies also can get their fair share of revenue coming from their broadcasting rights.
0: Thank you Andrew from Rudiport. Andrew, thank you so much. Um, Another broadcasting one. we we become used, and I understand where Andrew's coming from, to switching on the television. Like I was saying to the guys, don't worry, I'll tell you, that Polygonic City trail sundowns by two goals to nil. It's there. We're used to it. We see the World Cup. We see UEFA Champions League. We see whatever it is on TV. Now, if we don't get used to that culture of being able to switch on a TV, watch the game, see our women play then people can't associate.
1: Mm, I agree. And um, I, I can't, I think it's, it needs to come from both sides. I will be knocking on broadcasting doors saying, hey, are you coming to the party? And then from their side, they need to come to the party. So hopefully, in a few months, when we touch base again, yeah. I've got good news.
0: I love that. I love that. I said something when, and I know it's South Africa, we can host anything. We've hosted the F- FIFA World Cup 2010, loved it. We've hosted Africa Cup of Nations in '96, Loved it. We've hosted the World Cup. Great. We were champions. But at times we just want to host. But we don't want to spend on things like I said on, on Twitter that we should not be hosting the FIFA Women's World Cup in 2027 until we professionalize the game. I don't know what your thoughts are. And unfortunately, I only got 20 seconds for that one.
1: Yes, we should not host until we've professionalized. I think we will professionalize and we will host, and I think we'll be an amazing host.
0: I love that because you've also then just put a timeline (laughs) indirectly to say uh, before 2027, we will have a professionalized league. And you know what? Sponsors, corporates, you're listening. Here is your time, here is your moment. Romani Pinnock, I want to thank you so much. Um, This has been a kind of conversation that we've waited for uh, for quite a while. And I wish you everything of the best. I know it's a hot seat. There's politics and football and administration and so on. Don't worry about that. Focus on the journey ahead and I'm sure you'll get the results.
1: Thank you. And thank you for
0: hosting me. I appreciate it. Join us again tomorrow. It's been hashtag MSW.